Uh, now it's my pleasure to introduce our speaker for the night, Donna Lang. She was born and raised in Iowa, came to us here at St. Margaret Mary Parish less than two years ago, along with her husband, Roger. Uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa was home to Lang for the Langs for 49 years. They were active members at All Saints Parish there. Donna was on the startup team for CEO there and served on that team for three years before moving here to Louisville. And we're glad that you did. Everyone, please welcome for us here tonight our speaker, Donna Link. Thank you, Karen. Well, good evening. I'm so glad that you all came out for this first ever Catholic Evangelization Outreach event at St. Margaret Mary. Can you hear me? Okay. Well, since CEO is all about sharing our witness stories, I'd like to share mine with you tonight. My story began in a small Pentecostal church in Indiana one summer day about 16 years ago. I didn't realize at the time that this event would change my life. This transition began when my husband Roger and I heard a group of teenagers witness about their encounters with the Holy Spirit at a youth conference. Our son-in-law was the youth pastor at that little church at the time. But more about that later. First, a little background. I'm a cradle Catholic baptized in the Catholic Church shortly after my birth, and I've been a practicing Catholic ever since, though very nominal at times. I was raised in Fort Madison, Iowa, right on the Mississippi River, in an interfaith home. My dad was Catholic. My mom was Methodist. I'm the oldest of four children. I had wonderful parents and siblings and a great childhood. I am truly blessed. I attended Catholic elementary school and public high school, and that was my own choice. It's important to note that I was painfully shy as a child, and I'm still kind of shy and an introvert. My dad was a faithful Catholic, and he was devout, and I could see that about him, and it made an impression on me. He made sure that we received all the sacraments and attended Mass every Sunday and on all holy days. My mom, on the other hand, rarely attended church. Her priority was her family and the big family meal that she prepared every Sunday. But she was a great mom, and she taught us very good moral values. I remember when I was a teenager, lying on my bed, listening to the popular music of the day and wondering, is this all there is? What's missing from my life? You see, there was an emptiness that I couldn't identify, and I tried hard to fill it with all of the typical teenage activities of the day. That sense of void continued well into my adult years. I know now that I was missing a relationship with God but I don't recall ever being taught that it was possible to have such a relationship. Now, I could recite that God loved me and that I was to love and serve him in return, you know, those things you learn in grade school, but I don't think they really meant much to me as a child. 
In other words, I knew a lot about God, but I don't think I knew God. I like to call this head knowledge versus heart knowledge. I grew up in an era where faith was very personal, and people just didn't talk about it. They taught about their example rather than their words. So faith wasn't typically a topic for conversation, at least in my little world. Well, when I grew up, guess what? I married a good Catholic man who didn't think going to church was important for him. History does have a way of repeating itself. We settled in the Cedar Rapids, Iowa area, and I raised our three children Catholic, and I struggled with what I believed. I think I was a cafeteria Catholic, you know, sort of picking and choosing what I wanted to believe. So God continued to be distant, and the emptiness increased. Now, I did believe in God, and I did pray, especially when I needed something. Sound familiar? And I prayed my children and grandchildren through all of their illnesses and their problems. I prayed during times of trouble and tragedy. My only brother was killed in a car accident when he was just 19 by a drunk driver. And I remember praying mightily for my mom and dad. And then 24 years later, my niece was killed in a car accident. And I prayed mightily for my sister and her family. And I asked again and again, why? Why do these things have to happen to good people? I needed answers. And so I think my faith was put to the test. I believe that because of these untimely deaths, I put a little distance between me and God. I think the trust that I might have had was compromised by, the, by those incidents, probably because I didn't have a strong faith foundation. Well, when we, when we drove to Indiana 16 years ago to visit our family there, as I mentioned in my opening statement, I had just retired from my job as a paralegal, and I was looking for something meaningful to do with my time. I was bored, and the emptiness inside was still very much there. You see, I had always tried to be the one in control, but now my life was a bit out of control. Our son, legally blind since age 11, continued to experience a decline in his eyesight, and he had some other health issues as well. So I was needy, and I was scared, probably the perfect motivation to turn to God. So now God had my attention. I was crying out for help, and there we were in that little church in Indiana. As I mentioned before, a group of young teenagers spoke to the congregation that Sunday morning about their experiences of the Holy Spirit at a youth conference, and my heart just burned within me. They were very emotional, and both my husband and I were drawn in. I began to realize that those kids had something I had longed for. I think St. Augustine said it best when he said, our hearts are restless until they rest in you, O God. I believe now that our restless hearts were touched by the Holy Spirit through the sharing of those young people. This was God's perfect timing for me. He now had my attention, and God will touch each of us if and when we are open to him. 
So in the summer of 1999, Roger and I, after a whole year of discussion and prayer, decided to find a church that we could attend together because he wasn't interested in joining the Catholic Church, or so he thought. We decided to leave our traditional roots and join a Pentecostal church. It seemed like a good idea because we could worship together and the witness of those teenagers was so very powerful. So we went church shopping. But God had other plans. And isn't that just like God? Just as soon as we think we have things all worked out, he steps in with another idea, a much better idea. It's important to note here that I continue to go to Mass on Saturday evening every weekend while we visited those other churches on Sunday morning. I just wasn't able to make the break, probably a grace of the sacraments. We finally settled on a church, and one Sunday after returning from that other church, I was sad and troubled and very confused, obviously not at peace with our decision. I experienced an overwhelming sense of the presence of God. I just remember sitting in a chair for a very long time, unable to function, really. And finally, in desperation, I just cried out, Lord, what is going on here? I didn't hear an audible answer, but there was this knowing in my heart and in my spirit that I wasn't supposed to leave my church. And as soon as I realized what God was telling me, I felt completely at peace. I had a strong and powerful experience of the presence of God that's just hard to put into words. Well, when I told Roger that I couldn't leave my church, he shared that he, too, was having second thoughts. We then made the decision that he would return to the Methodist Church and I would continue to go to the Catholic Church. But we would worship together by attending both churches every Sunday or every weekend together. God's plan was beginning to unfold in both of our lives. <clears throat> The very first time that I went to Mass, after that experience of the presence of God, the Mass came alive for me. The only way that adequately describes what happened to me is to say that the Mass went from black and white to technicolor. And I felt like I was receiving the Eucharist for the very first time, even though I had always believed what the Church taught about the Eucharist but now I felt it in my heart. You see, it was no longer just head knowledge. Now it was heart knowledge. The scripture readings came alive for me that day. And for the first time, I didn't merely attend Mass. I experienced the beauty and the sacredness of the Mass. Well, shortly after all of this happened, I read a book about the Holy Spirit that I picked up in the bookstore as kind of an afterthought. I'd never really understood the Spirit's part in our lives, so I thought I should read something. I stayed up late one night and finished the book, and I was so touched that I told God, if this is real, I want it. Well, I don't know what I expected, but there was no thunder and lightning, and so I went to bed. 
I was awakened in the night by someone calling my name. I sat up in bed knowing somehow that it was God. And so I said, yes, Lord. I believe I heard two words that have had a, pr a profound effect on me, and they are work hard. And that was followed by the realization or an infusion of knowledge into my spirit that reading a book and saying a prayer as good as that is, isn't enough. It's not a one-time event. God has shown me it takes effort. It's work. We don't just say, okay, Lord, I'm yours, and just let it go at that. It's a lifelong journey. It is a day-to-day -day decision. A few months later, I still didn't know how to volunteer my time, and I was beginning to wonder if my experiences of God had even been real. You see, doubt was creeping in from the father of lies, and we all know who that is, right? The devil. I went to bed one night, and as I rolled over onto my right side to get comfortable, I heard in my right ear, Donna. It felt as though someone had whispered in my ear. It scared the daylights out of me, and I sat straight up in bed, breathing hard. There was nothing else, just Donna. But God had made his point. But again, there was that knowing that it was Jesus. My sense was that he was telling me, I'm here. Don't despair. Trust. And then the next day at church, the sermon was all about how God is always there for us. And if we take the time to listen, we will experience his presence in our lives. I was just stunned. I felt like God was speaking directly to me through the homily. Meanwhile, God gave me a hunger for knowledge about the Christian life and what my church teaches that bordered on obsession. I'd nearly left the church, and I believed that he wanted me to understand what I'd almost given up. And I needed understanding if I were going to live my life according to his will. I would walk into the bookstore, and books would nearly jump off the shelf at me. In Isaiah 48, 18, God tells us that he will teach us what is for our good. Well, God was teaching me, because every book that I purchased seemed to be just the right one at just the right time. I had a lot of questions and not a lot of understanding. God was giving me spiritual, continuing education. The shaky foundation of my youth was now being strengthened. By reading good Catholic authors and the scriptures, I learned what it means to be in a relationship with God. And I began to realize that that relationship <coughs> excuse me, was what I had hungered for most of my life. You know, when we, when we receive Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity, that's definitely personal, right? But is it heart knowledge? I believe there also needs to be a sense of relationship. Otherwise, that truth of the Eucharist is sometimes just head knowledge. I would encourage anyone who doesn't have that personal relationship to seek it. God is just waiting for us to ask. And you know, it's one thing to be a Catholic 
or Christian because we're raised that way. That's a good start. But it's quite another to educate ourselves and know what we believe, and then to be an intentional Catholic or Christian. Just as we need continuing education for job purposes, how can we not educate ourselves about the spiritual life, which is so much more important? One night during this time, I couldn't sleep, and I was up walking the floor and praying. And suddenly the verses from John 15, 5 popped into my head. You know them. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit, because without me you can do nothing. I felt God was telling me that he had a plan for me. And then a few days later, I walked out into our backyard, and I was su surprised to see that our grapevines that had never produced much fruit were now stretched across the fence from lot line to lot line. And before long, they were covered with tiny bunches of green grapes. I believed then, and I believe it today, that God was giving me a visual picture of what Jesus meant when he said, Abide in me, and you will bear good fruit. And that was the one and only year that those grapevines produced any kind of meaningful fruit. Well, as I continued to pray about how to volunteer my time, I felt like God was, was calling me to volunteer at church. I had not done much of that. So I took a called and gifted class because I was interested in finding out what my gifts and charisms might be. Now remember, I'm an introvert, okay? On the test, I scored high for evangelization. Indignantly, I took that test again, and again I scored high for evangelization. I decided there was no way that could be a valid test because I visualized going door to door, and I knew I couldn't do that. But God, I've learned since that there are many other ways to evangelize. Gradually, God helped me to see that I do have a heart for telling others, and of course that's why I'm here tonight. Evangelization does appear to be my charism or gift. Well, God kept me very busy volunteering at church. I served on the liturgy committee and various subcommittees for several years. A friend and I started a Great Adventure Bible study. I was involved in RCIA and Alpha for Catholics, both on the core team and as a presenter. And I was on the core team for CEO in Iowa. The Alpha program is a 10-week course that inspires Catholic renewal. So all of these programs are evangelistic ministries. I didn't go looking for any of this. I'm an introvert. It all just happened. I was open, and God moved. How has all of this transformed my life? Well, along with spending time each day praying and reading the scriptures, I've returned to the confessional, which I had been away from for 25 years, and I love it. Mass is now a priority, not a duty. I try always to pray prior to making any important decisions, and I have learned that God doesn't always say yes to my requests. I try to be sensitive to the move of the Spirit within me, 
And when I sense an infusion of knowledge into my spirit, I pay close attention. The wound of emptiness that I felt all of those years was healed. The void was filled. And I have been filled with a peace and a joy and a sense of God's love that I just didn't have before. And oh yes, in 2004, my husband Roger came into the church and we now worship and serve together. The spiritual journey is a lifelong process and continued study is so important. First of all, we can't give away what we don't have. Secondly, we don't get much out of practicing the faith without understanding the faith. I left the confessional because I just didn't see the point in it. I bought into the worldview that you can go straight to God, and of course you can. But had I bothered to read and educate myself about the sacrament and the grace that flows from it, I possibly wouldn't have left. The first time that I went back to confession, I had such a feeling of peace and a much better understanding of God's mercy. This is a great gift of the church. I would urge anyone not taking advantage of the sacrament of reconciliation to return. Cardinal Donald Wuerl has a wonderful new book about the sacrament called, appropriately, The Light is On for You. He tells many stories of people's very positive experiences with the sacrament of reconciliation. I highly recommend this book. Brothers and sisters, I didn't plan any of this. It all just happened. It was part of God's plan for me. I was needy, empty, bored, and not sure of what I believed. He answered my cry for help and went way beyond my expectations. In Jeremiah 29, 11, we read, for I know well the plans I have in mind for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare, not for woe, plans to give you a future full of hope. And God goes on to say through that prophet that he hears and answers our prayers. Some folks are fearful of change. They've settled into a routine and a belief system that's comfortable. I understand that. And they're not looking to change. I can only say, when one opens oneself to the Holy Spirit, he or she is never sorry, because the Spirit will surprise in so many wonderful ways. After reading that little book about the Spirit and telling God I want it, I opened the door to my heart and invited the Holy Spirit to come in and take over. Through all of the experiences that I have described, God was revealing himself to me. Experiences of God are faith builders, and I needed faith building. We should share our experiences of God appropriately and humbly to build up the faith of others. Throughout my journey, God brought to me others who would share their journeys with me. And each time it was both a blessing and an encouragement. This is the mission of CEO, to share our God stories. 
getting involved with CEO in Iowa was God's idea, not mine. I was very busy at the time, and I wasn't looking for more. Pete Matheson, who started CEO, approached me after Mass one Sunday morning in June of 2011, and he told me about his plan to start an evangelization outreach in the Cedar Rapids, Iowa Catholic community. And after attending some of the organization meetings, I couldn't resist, and I signed on. This new ministry would be held monthly, and a witness story would be shared by someone within the Catholic community. This would fulfill the church's mission to evangelize. And hopefully, this would encourage sharing among family and friends. When you leave the church tonight, you'll be handed a flyer promoting the November CEO event. I hope you'll come and bring a friend, inviting others, get you involved, and help CEO to grow. I was on the core team in Iowa for three years, and when I told Pete that we were moving to Louisville, he became very excited, and he told me I would take CEO to Louisville. I remember thinking, how in the world am I going to do that? I don't consider myself to be a leader, and I'm certainly not very outgoing. But I never dreamed that the Holy Spirit would set it up for me. We came to town, we visited several churches, and we settled at St. Margaret Mary. I gave Donna Schmidt a little CEO card when we registered and told her to give it to someone who might be interested. And then I got a call from Jared Miller, the formation director, to meet with him about CEO. The spirit was on the move. So here we are, less than two years after we unpacked our belongings in Louisville, we are beginning this exciting new ministry at St. Margaret Mary, just as Pete predicted and the Holy Spirit planned. You know, we all have a story some are more dramatic than others, of course, but we must share our story, no matter how simple it might be. It is the Great Commission to tell others. Jesus said in Mark 16 to go and tell others. You never know who you will affect. And really, when you come right down to it, this is not my story, this is God's story. I merely cooperated with his grace. I am an instrument of his purpose and plan, but we all are. In closing, I'd like to leave you with a quote from Cardinal Donald Worrell's book, Seek First the Kingdom. He says this, Our world needs to hear the good news. Who will go if we don't? Who will tell if we refuse? Worth thinking about, huh? One small act like the sharing of those teenagers in that little church in Indiana can truly transform a life. It sure transformed mine. Thank you for allowing me to tell you my story. And thank you for coming. <laughs> And thank you, Donna. We're glad that you uh, made the call to evangelize. You were a fabulous speaker. Thank you for being here with us tonight and uh, sharing your honest feelings and your story with all of us here tonight. Um, 
one of the things that Donna talked about was that realizing something was missing for years in her life and a need to fill that void and wondering what that is. So um, what we'd like for all of you to do is when you um, leave here tonight and as you go through your week, uh, to start thinking about maybe what is missing, if anything, in your life and how you can take steps uh, like, like she did, like Donna did, to eventually fill that void, whatever that may be in your life. Um, we would love for you guys to do that. We'd also, as Donna mentioned, love for you to bring a friend and to join us next month as we continue on here with our program on uh, November 22nd. That's when Michael Bartley will be our speaker here as we continue on our CEO program and to share the good news with all of you and many others. So we certainly would love for you to come back with us again in November. Now, as we mentioned earlier, um, our program will conclude in the hospitality room. There we're going to have some uh, cookies and some coffee and some great fellowship. So we certainly hope that you will join us in there in just a few minutes. And we're glad that you could all be here with us tonight. And again, thank you, Donna, so much for sharing your words with us and, and your honest feelings and, and how you ended up here. And again, we're glad that you made it to Louisville and to St. Margaret Mary. Thank you, all of you.